This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett, so she can make down the three. Yeah, so I figured after Sunday night's episode, um, you know, might might as well just do a part two and, and maybe you know three, four, five, whatever, because um, well, I'm bored <laughs> and I don't have any sports now to watch. Um, still in my baseball depression, so I can't fucking watch baseball for a few. I need to still get over the fact that the favorite team I watch is um, you know, a complete. An utter disappointment year after year, and that always gets gets to me after every time they after every time the Yankees lose in October, I always need a few you know days, weeks before I can get back into it. Um, but I do know the Rays are up to nothing in the series. Watching the Chargers Saints play at the moment, um, don't have anything on this game. No money line tonight. Nothing. No spread for me, but. My buddy's actually, well, somebody I went to school with is the kicker for the Chargers, which is pretty cool. So I like watching him, and he's been kicking ass, Mike. So, But um, as for the Knicks, yeah, we're going to continue pretty much talking about what we talked about last night, but more, you know, uh, tonight we're going to dissect R.J. Barrett, Tom Thibodeau a little bit, um, and then maybe talk about some free agent options like Fred Van Vliet, and... Um, yeah, you know, not much else. Another episode about the fun and exciting New York Knicks. Um, now, last night's show, in episode 164, that was Sunday night I'm talking about, is when I recorded and published it. The Lakers won the NBA Finals, so that happened. Um, and it's good for them, right? It's a good story, obviously, with Kobe Bryant's passing. Um, who better than to win it at the end of the year? to wrap up a rough one for the NBA um, than the Lakers to take it home. Kobe's team that he played for for over two decades. So that was nice in terms of that aspect. Um, you know, I was kind of kind of pulling for the heat personally. Would have been a fun story. But, um, geez, you hope that the Knicks can be one of these teams someday. <laughs> maybe in my, my Maybe in my next lifetime. Maybe. Maybe. raining all day here on the east coast love rainy days i like it but it makes me really lazy and tired does anybody else ever feel like that when it rains you get really lazy and tired and you get like sluggish uh, i've been sitting at my at my desk in the studio 
taking notes on the po- uh, for the podcast and doing homework all day, and I just feel so sluggish. I was watching Halloween earlier, which if I haven't told you, I think I have, but if your favorite horror franchise is anything other than Halloween, get the hell out, because Michael Myers is the best. Uh, yeah. You're listening to episode 165 of the podcast of BD4, um, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I'm your host, Rob Carbone. Um, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the podcast um, on the many different platforms we're on. You can listen to the podcast on over 10 platforms, and you can watch the ad-free version of the podcast up on YouTube. Um... So yeah, you could just go to my website for the links to all of those. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. The link is in the description. And if you're watching the podcast, um, as opposed to listening, the link should be on the screen in front of you right here. So, um, yeah, 13 to 3 in this Chargers game. By the way... It's San Diego. No, it's let's. What is it? Los Angeles Chargers right now. I don't. I, I fucking Las Vegas. No, do they change so much to these fucking teams? I'm pretty sure it's Los Angeles. It's Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers, and Rams. Who I think I just learned last weekend they share a stadium, which I didn't know that. It's a beautiful stadium. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest. I don't know. I'm not the biggest NFL fan. Not the biggest football fan. Um, I'm more of a college football fan, if anything. But I do pay attention to the Giants, and they are awful. They're 0 5. The, the Jets are 0 5. <laughs> it's pretty bad in New York um, when it comes to football and when it comes to basketball. And obviously, the Yankees, the only team with an expectation really in New York to do anything, disappoint us every year. So at the same time, while we at least have them to watch in terms of being competitive, they disappoint us when it comes to the main goal in the end. So that's always cute. But as for the disappointing Knicks, um, I guess we'll head to break, and when we get back, we will dive right into the... Oh! Drew Brees just threw an interception. Man, he's not looked good this year, has he? That was almost... Oh, it was a pick six! Was it a pick six? Fucking Drew Brees has looked like dog shit, man. First couple of games, he was really bad. He had a little bit of a better streak for a bit, but now he just again tonight losing thirteen three might be even might be twenty to three if that ends up being a touchdown and Badgley converts on the field goal. Oh man, Brees looks like shit. Was that a pick six? Where's he down? Uh, he was down before he got there, but still. On the goal line. Shit. At least I didn't have money on this one. I was going to put money on the Saints, too. Woo! Thank God. Um, Alright, let's head to break. When we get back, we'll dive right in. So, really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to NY Sports talkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. 
Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. So when Tom Thibodeau was hired a few months back, <clears throat> you know, a lot of Knicks fans weren't for the move. Um, you know, when the rumors were um, in the headlines uh, even further back, nobody wanted it. It seemed like no Knicks fans wanted this guy. Um, but that was just from my perspective reading on the internet. And we know the internet is full of, you know, young adults and, and even younger. And I think they don't like, a lot of them don't like the fact that he is hard on his players and he gives them a lot of minutes. And that's a very, you know, this generation type of thing to be angry about. <laughs> I have no problem with it. Um, the Thibodeau signing, I don't, I don't mind it. Um, I know there's also the fact that he didn't look too good towards the end of his um, coaching career there at the time with Minnesota. Um, and there's the whole thing with Butler. But going to give him another shot. Um, and, you know, maybe this time he'll... he'll... Listen, the Knicks are going to be bad regardless next season. We need to know this, okay? No matter who the coach is, it could be Jesus Christ or it could be... You know, Tom Thibodeau, they're not going to be great. Touchdown Chargers. They're not going to be good. They're not going to be decent. My hope is that they could be decent, but, you know, we're always let down. Um, the, I just want to see this team do what the other coaches failed to get them to do. I want to see them playing better defense. I want to see them pass the ball more, and I want to see better shooting. Um, now, you have to have the personnel to do some of these things, which is what we're going to dive into in a bit when we talk about Fred Van Vliet and maybe some other free agents. And it's kind of what we discussed last night, too, in 164. But you want the Knicks to be more of a modernized basketball team, right? Guys who fight hard, okay? Give me guys who can play. Get these guys out there who play, who want to play, and who are hungry to win. Okay, get the young players playing. Get this team playing competent, fundamental you know, proper basketball, high IQ basketball. And that is one thing, you know, if there's one thing you can compliment Thibodeau about, you know, he's been successful in his coaching career because he has teams playing high IQ fundamental basketball, 20 to three chargers are up heading into half in about four minutes. Um, Thibodeau, Thibodeau has his teams playing like that. He has his teams playing good defense, you know, and, and offense, they're moving around without the ball, and they're moving the ball around. So that's one of the things that I hope he can continue to, you know, um, stress as he comes to the Knicks. You know, defensively, when the fuck is the last time a Knicks team was solid defensively? You have to go back to the Mike Woodson days, back in 2013-14, you know, before he was fired. That was the last time they were at least decent. And you have to go even further back, you know thinking about when this team was a good, not just decent, but like a really good defensive team. I mean, so you have a good defensive coach, a really good defensive coach in Thibodeau. You hope that he can bring that defensive effort back to the garden. You know, when you watch this team, how many times do we see maybe one, maybe two players, you know, run the break or get back on D? You know, it's never a collective effort out there when they're in transition, when they're running the fast break. It's never all five guys sprinting back and up and down the court. We don't see that often. 
We see a lot of lollygagging, a lot of fucking laying back and half-assing it and jogging. We don't see guys who are hungry and want to sprint the entire court. We don't see that. So I hope that can change under, under tips because he's a guy who will get your players to sprint, right? There's no more bullshit with him. You know, there's no not going to be any more, hopefully, there's not going to be any more guys like, I don't know, McConnell from the Sixers at the time, you know, beating you on the break. And guys who shouldn't be beating you on the break, beating you on the break. That shouldn't happen anymore. Under Thibodeau, I think that's one thing we can expect is his to is him to get these guys sprinting, to get this team running hard um, and playing high IQ team defense. You know, and he's going to get guys where they need to be on the court, when they need to be on the court. And that's one thing David Fizdell at least could not do. Um, Miller was a little better, but Thibodeau is known for shit like that. You know, guys are constantly moving off the ball when he was coaching, uh, when the Chicago Bulls were competitive under him. You know, nobody was standing around watching one-on-one on the weak side. Nobody was, you know, just watching. It was, it was good team ball. You know, guys were moving without the ball, and the ball itself was swinging around the court. Um, And I think these two things would be huge, right, to get the Knicks moving the basketball around again because we don't get that today. We do not get that. Um, So, you know, he's a head coach who's, you know, kind of the opposite of Fizdale. Fizdale was a fake tough guy, right? Fizdale said all the things, but he never walked it. He never walked it. Somebody like Tibbs, we've seen walk and talk it, right? And more importantly, he talks, he walks it. Um, you know, he's going to make his, he's going to fucking, listen, he's going to run these guys out there and they're going to bust their ass for him. You know, one thing about Tibbs that's different from, again, Fizdale is he doesn't play, he doesn't experiment with the entire rotation. You know, Fizdale loved to do those clunky lineups and play all, you know, every single active player. Usually, Tibbs is going to run about... Generally, he plays about nine guys. Not the entire rotation, folks. He's going to play about nine guys. So, you're going to get heavy minutes for, for, from a lot of guys. A lot of guys are going to be playing north of 35 minutes. Um, you know, And you can make the... Again, you can point out that, oh, I don't like that. Players got hurt this way. Well, it's not just the minutes in the game. You know, he was a... Listen... It's it could be that in a combination of his hard practices. He had practices where he was known for getting these guys to run and sprint throughout the entire practice. So that's one thing I hope that Thibodeau does change. Um, if there's one thing I hope he does change, it's to you know lighter practices, more practices about preparation, hopefully, and less sprinting. You know, um, game speed practices. That's the one thing I think you do want to see change. Um, but you know, in terms of playing high minutes, these listen. You have nineteen-year-old, twenty-one-year-old, twenty-year-old kids out there. Fucking burn these guys. Play them. There's no issue with that. They're NBA players. They are young. They are not old by the the slightest. Play the guys. That's what they're at. We want this, right? This is what we've been wanting for. We can't be picky with it. You want the young kids to play. They're gonna fucking play, um, if they if they perform well, and and. You know, so I hope that Knox, I hope that Frank, I hope that Dotson, etc. Hell, maybe Iggy and Wooten sometime down the line can start playing and getting consistent minutes. And I hope RJ um, 
continues to get those 35-minute games that he got a lot under Fisdale. Um, I really have no problem with the minutes load. It's the it's the hard practices that he was known for. You know, those sprinting drills that he did. He had them playing game speed practices, and that, I think, is something that he might need to you know, change a little bit. He's not going to change drastically, but... Maybe, you know, we see lighter in-season practices, more about preparation, and less about running around hard, playing at a game speed. That's one of the things I do agree with, um, or I do, um, would like, I, I would like to see Thibodeau, you know, tone it down with. But the, the minutes per game shit, I have no issue with young kids playing a lot of minutes. Give me a fucking break. Um... So, yeah, I mean, I think under Thibodeau, if there's one thing you can ask and if there's one thing you'll probably see is a hard-playing basketball team. They're going to play hard every night. And if the Knicks do play hard every night, there's no excuse to lose the amount of games they've been losing year after year after year. Um, So I hope that he can continue to bring that same passion um, that he did when he coached the Chicago Bulls. Um, and, And... if the again the Knicks aren't going to be good next year, and I don't want to start hearing these you know fire Tibbs chants again. I've been through this so much. We've all been through it so much. New coaches, just year after year, it feels like, it really is. Um, can we let this guy play out his five year contract? I think at this point you don't want to keep changing. It just makes it unhealthy. You need you're trying to change the culture. But you do have to keep a consistent head coach. You have to have some stability up there. It's hard for players to, to develop to develop after having a new fucking coach, you know, in a new scheme and a new offense and a new defensive system every single year. Thibodeau's got a five-year contract. Let him play it out. You know, if you don't look good in the first year or second year, you have to let him play it out. Just see what he's got. You know, there, there's. We can't keep changing coaches. And I was an advocate for firing Fizdale. And, you know, quite frankly, that was the correct decision, actually. You know, I'm not just saying keep him even if he's bad, you know, but I just, we have to find a way to, to have some stabilization. So hopefully he can get some players playing hard for him and, and we don't get into that situation where we're conflicted again. Um,. But fuck, man, if we have to get into a scenario again where we're talking about firing Thibodeau, <laughs> it'll be three coaches in three years. Oh, man. You know, when, when was the last time, by the way, the Knicks had a coach play out their contract? Was it Van Gundy? Oh, shit. That would have been that would have made a good uh, NYYNYK question of the day for tonight. Uh, but we've got we've got another one. Don't worry. All right, so uh, let's head to break again, and uh, when we get back, I guess we'll talk about um, some specifics I would like from Thibodeau this season. A few different social media platforms today. If you want to follow my Instagram account, follow at Rob J. Carbone. If you want to follow my Facebook or Twitter account, follow at NY Sports Talk RC. Um, so, R.J. Barrett, as the Knicks' most recent lottery pick, 
had a rookie season where he looked really good at times, and he looked and he looked fuck, fucking can't speak tonight. Uh, where he looked really good at times, and he looked really bad at times. But I would like to think overall there was more positive than there was negative, and that might be a hot take. Shit. But he averaged 14 points, five rebounds, and three assists. This is a 19-year-old teenager, so that's not too that's not too bad. That is not too fucking bad for you know a 19-year-old rookie. Um, but one of the things that I would like uh, to see from R.J. Barrett and from Tom Thibodeau is for Tibbs to use R.J. the way he needs to be used. And I think there are three. You know, in terms of offense, there are three things that RJ really thrives in offensively. Um, he's an excellent off-ball cutter. Plays off the ball extremely well, exceptionally well. He uh, he can isolate very well too. He's good on the wing and he's good in the post a bit with a strong upper body. And he's also, you know, I would like to see him run pick and roll as the ball handler and facilitator a little more too. I think those are the three things I want to see Thibodeau use. Um, Barrett, you know, those are the three areas I would like to see him play in a lot more. Um, and he did, you know, when he when he was in these, you know, running these sets last year, he, he looked great off the ball. He looked great in isolation, and he had some moments as a pick-and-roll facilitator where, you know, you really like what you saw. Um, but I want to see more of it. I want to see even more this season. I want to see him continue to climb that ladder. And I think Thibodeau will stress this because he he coached Jimmy Butler for years. And Jimmy Butler, um, when they were in Chicago together, he he's a guy who played off the ball a lot and was exceptional cutting. And he was good in isolation on the wings and on the post. And he was somebody who played a lot of pick and roll when Derrick Rose went down. So I think there's some similarities there. And you guys heard me compare RJ to Butler before, right? They have this, they have some similarities in their game style, and they have that same you know dog mentality too. Um, so I think if RJ Barrett is used the same way or similarly as Butler was in Chicago under Thibodeau, we're gonna see an improved Barrett. He's going to be even better than he was in his rookie season. Um, but yeah, cutting, isolating, and pick and roll handling, those are huge. Um, in terms of a cutter, you know, RJ's very good moving without the ball. He's great at catching the ball on the way to the basket, those top of the key handoffs, um, top of the arc handoffs. He's good. He's, he's very good off the ball. He's got very good vision, good recognition, uh, recognition, sorry. Um, you know, he can see the open lane well, and when he sees that open lane, he's going to attack it right away. He's not going to kill time. Um, and I think in order to get RJ cutting um, and doing it successfully even more, we're going to need Tibbs to, you know, have his guys use long screens and multiple screens as well to free up space for RJ Barrett, right? Taj Gibson's going to have to continue to do what he's do- he does best and fucking set screens, hard and long ones. Um, Mitchell Robinson will have to keep learning how to set harder and longer screens because I don't like the way he does them. Um, you know, Randall, same way. He's going to have to go harder on screen setting too. That would only help free up space for somebody like RJ in off-ball scenarios. And RJ himself even, using him. You know, to set some split screens for himself. You know, little small, quick split screens to open up and free up space for himself. Um, but these screens that other guys set, again, that helps space out the floor more for R.J. Barrett and clears the lane. Um, and, and, you know, when I say spacing, a lot of the time I am talking about shooting. 
but it's not always shooting. You know, it's a common misconception that spacing only means shooting. Not necessarily. You know, a lot of times spacing is as simple as it sounds. It, it's player placement, right? Positioning guys where they're supposed to be in the floor. And often last year we had Kevin Knox and other guys who wouldn't just move around well. You know, Kevin Knox would just stand there and not really spread the floor. Julius Randle, the same thing. Um, but we want to see, you know, use utilize the half court to as best as, as you can. As best as you fucking can. 20 to 9, about to be 2010, Chargers. But Breeze just threw a touchdown pass on a slant route. Um, yeah, utilize that entire half court. Use those corners, the corner three, to stretch out the floor. A lot of guys, the Knicks players, would stop between the corner and the elbow. You know, use the entire corner. If you're not having the ball in your hand, use both corners. Bring those defenders out more. You know, move them a couple feet into the corner. That clears up space in the lane for RJ to do his work as a cutter. It's huge. It is huge. And, I mean, I I just, we see it so much with this Knicks team where it's just as simple as not positioning yourself in the right spot, really. But, um, yeah, with the ball, I want to see him in isolation more. Um, He's got a strong upper body for finishing, and he's got quick, uh, quick, quick, crafty moves in order to get by the defender and get to the cup, you know, to get those finishes. Um, he doesn't over dribble either when he's an ISO. He usually can get there in a good amount of time and either finish at the rim or generate contact and get to the free throw line, which he did a nice job of doing five per game last year. Um, he's got to start converting because <laughs> that jumper is ugly. Um, you know, pick and roll. Use him as a facilitator, as a ball handler in the PNR. Again, Butler was used in that fashion when Rose was out with the injury. Um, RJ is just, you know, right now I like to think he's a solid facilitator. He averaged three assists for, you know, a rookie wing. That's not bad. Um, still need a point guard, obviously, from the Knicks, but RJ is capable of running point, um, you know, for a few possessions a game. So, you know, using him in those scenarios wouldn't be terrible. Um and again, this is another scenario where Thibodeau would have to stress spacing, right? So you have RJ as a ball handler. You have a big setting the screens where you have your screener. So RJ is the ball handler. You have your screener. Um, and then you have your rebounder, maybe in the short corner, um, getting ready to grab the board. And then two wings on the perimeter. That's how you space the floor. When you're in pick and roll, I think that's the perfect scenario. And that's what the Knicks need to do more. All right, so again, it doesn't just have to be shooting when we're talking about floor spacing. It just needs to be simply positioning yourself and spacing the floor to open up that lane. Um, I, so you hope you can get that more. You know, you hope Tibbs can stress it, and you hope guys like Randall, guys like Knox can do that more. And, and speaking of Knox, I want to touch on him a little bit too. Um, we'll touch on him as soon as we get back from break. All right, fellas. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website 
at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. You are listening to BD4. This is your host, Rob Carbone. And um, guys, thank you for tuning in to episode 160 fucking five. Fucking 165. We are just going through these, man. 165 episodes into the podcast. <laughs> but um, Kevin Knox, I, I do want to touch on Knox a little bit tonight. Um, you know, he's been very, obviously he's a very, uh, you know, not a fan favorite right now, let's just say, amongst Knicks fans. Um, screen is very laggy. I hate this. Ever since I updated this software I'm using for the podcast, it's very fucking slow, very laggy. It's gotten significantly worse, and that's really pissing me off. Um, God, I hate it. There we go. Better. <laughs> All right. Fucking, um, God. All right. So Kevin Knox, yeah, I mean, he's not had a good first two seasons, let's be honest. Um, his rookie year, rough, but it actually looks decent now when you look how poorly he performed, look at how poorly he was in 2019 um, or 2020. Sorry. But the first thing I want to say is with Thibodeau, unlike the other coaches the Knicks have had, Know what you're going to do with Knox. Know what you're doing with him, okay? That's the one thing that frustrated the shit out of me with the other coaches the Knicks had. Fucking, I mean... It's like, play him or don't play him. And if you don't play him, make sure you send him to the G League so he can get everyday minutes, right? Um, Or wherever... Whatever the G League is, obviously, in this upcoming COVID season. Um... But, you know, figure out a plan for him. Don't just do what Fisdale did, right, and just sporadically play him, what Miller did. you got to figure out a way to get this guy on the floor consistently, whether that be at the NBA level or in the G League, whatever. And, you know, Knicks fans are always talking about how we need shooting. I am, right? Well, you had Knox, you had Dotson, you had Schreer sitting on the bench all year last year. Your three best shooters, arguably. <laughs> It's fucking, I don't know, just riding the pun. And Fizdale, especially with Knox, was just terrible. You know, he had him sitting in the corner waiting for three-point shot attempts. And, you know, Knox took, what, six field goal attempts per game? Mostly threes. If it wasn't a three, it was a long contested two-point shot, which is a no-no in today's game. You know, Ellington and Portis, I think they averaged more field goal attempts than Knox did. They got more time. They played more games. It was bad. Two guys who aren't part of this future, obviously. I mean, so I want to see Tibbs get the best of him. And I think in order to get the best out of Kevin Knox, you need to get him active, to get him moving. Because he's the opposite of that right now, right? He's this low-motor player playing underwater. Get him moving around. Run him in sets. You know, that will get the best out of him. Have him moving, slashing to the basket, coming off curls. Catching and shooting, movement shooting, get him moving around out there. The tools are definitely there. I love the wingspan. You know, he's very long. He's got some athleticism. We've seen some great dunks where he throws it down with authority. You know, a la the Ben Simmons dunk last year was that. You know, we've seen some hard backdoor cuts from him, but it's just not 
nearly as consistent as it needs to be. We, we need to see this more, right? And it's always when Knox is criticized by the media or challenged by one of his coaches in the post game where he goes off the next day or for the next couple of games. I've noticed that. It's always then when he decides to show up. But that can't be a thing. That can't happen. He needs to have a high motor. He needs to have a good work ethic for 48 minutes a night, 82 games a season. He needs to be there every time he takes the floor. He can't be soft anymore. He cannot be soft. And I think having Tibbs may be able to change that a little bit. And then you look at, you know, the Knicks did hire Kenny Payne, who, you know, a Kentucky guy, just like Knox, who helped coach Knox when Knox was in Kentucky. So maybe that can also help raise his game. Maybe that's what that move was for, to motivate this kid. Um, And I remind you, you know, John Calipari said himself, pretty much that Knox wasn't going to be good out of the gate. He pretty much said that. I mean, he said he was going to be a big project. So I just think, you know, while we love to bash our players, Knicks fans, and I'm not a big Knox fan either. Let's just play him. Whether that be at the NBA level or in Westchester, at least play him somewhere. So we know what he is so we're not just arguing about it all the time and debating you know he can't get better sitting on the bench play the guy we'll be right back i'm on a few different social media platforms today if you want to follow my instagram account Follow at Rob J. Carbone. If you want to follow my Facebook or Twitter account, follow at NY Sports Talk RC. Um, so... Yes, Fred VanVleet. Uh, I do want to get to him, uh, I guess, to wrap this thing up tonight. He is obviously a big free agent target, um, I guess, for as big as you can be in a market like this. <laughs> um, no, he's, you know, I would label him as a crafty playmaker with range, <clears throat> a crafty two-way playmaker with range. Um, I think would be the best way to describe somebody like Fred Van Vliet. And, you know, playmaking and range. That that stands out at you if you're a Knicks fan, right? And the two-way thing as well. Really, you know, the Knicks are so bad, they need help in all areas. So, <laughs> But Fred Van Vliet is somebody who could really benefit the Knicks. Um, I was not for it at first. I'm still not super for it, to be honest with you. But I do now see the benefits in it. And we're going to get to that in a second. But... Van Vliet is coming off a two-year deal where he was paid $18 million across those two seasons um, total. And he averaged 18 points, seven assists, four rebounds, and two steals. Um, all four of those numbers were a career high. Um, and he shot a shooting split of 41% from the floor, 39% from three, um, and 85% from the free throw stripe. So very efficient shooter. And, you know, again, somebody who could really benefit the Knicks if they do sign him, I think. Um, first of all, he's a good leader, right? He's a winner. 
He obviously won a title with Wichita State before he was in the NBA. But yes, he helped Toronto um, win a ring in 2019. He had a big finals where he just went off and he locked down Steph Curry for a bit. Um, and, you know, even this year, he helped Toronto get back into the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard. And that's huge. You know, that's 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 a big step. Um, so a good leader, a winner, a proven winner with experience. I think that's the number one thing people look at when they think of Van Vliet. Um, but yeah, obviously he's a great shooter as well. Again, almost 40% this season at a high volume too, a very high volume. Took about seven three-point attempts per game while shooting just under 40, uh, 40%. So good three-point shooter, good free throw shooter, a good passer too. So very modernized where he can shoot and pass. Those crafty, skillsy type of players like Doncic, Van Vliet's similar in that aspect. Okay, he's not the same player. Um, but yeah, good passer, a smart, high IQ, um, efficient passer with good vision. You know, seven assists this past season when you round it off versus two turnovers. Very good numbers there. Um, and on the other end of the floor, again, he's a competitive defender. Plays with a high work ethic. He grinds. He's got a good motor there. He's a pest defensively. Um, he's still fairly young. He's still pretty young at 26 years old, so it's not like he's an old man. Not the youngest, but he's not old at all either. Um, and he's very durable. There's no extreme injury history there, which would be great, um, you know, because we know the Knicks love their injury-prone players. Um, and, you know, getting somebody like him wouldn't cost you talent, wouldn't cost you picks or assets. It would just cost, you know, cost you old-fashioned money, right? So this wouldn't be a CP3 scenario. This wouldn't be an Oladipo scenario. This would just be straight-up cash. Um, but, you know, he's somebody who can play with or without the ball. So the concern that he would stunt the growth of the younger Knicks, Frank, you know, DSJ, and, and the point guard to come, whenever that may be, um, that's that's out the window because he can play without the ball too. He played with Lowry as the number one point guard. He played with Kawhi Leonard as the number one option on the team. He played with Pascal, you know, Marcus Gasol when he was, you know, in his um not in his prime, but when he was still very productive. So he played with good players and he didn't always need the ball in his hands. So that's a positive there. Also, he he adding someone like Van Vliet would get the ball out of Randall's hands because you have your point guard now. Shit. That would be fucking positive on itself. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of the Knicks fans love this idea of growing through the draft, as do I. That's probably my number one thing right now. I, I want to grow through the draft, but not every single fucking player needs to be through the draft. Okay, so calm down. It's a shallow draft. We're not very, you know, not in very good position right now anyways at number eight in a shallow class so we're not going to get our point guard of the future in this draft i'll tell you right right now i'm going to tell you that right the fuck now the guy we drafted eight will very well be at best a role player in the nba okay a guy who comes off the bench and produces and does the little things that's who we're going to end up with i could tell you that right now um and if i'm wrong come back here and, and um you know, criticize me but I'm pretty sure we're not going to get our point guard of the future. So Van Vliet is not a bad idea to think about. Um, you get him. He's you know also a very tradable player. Um, again, being 26 years old. And if he is signed for cheap, um, let's let's play a guessing game and say we can get him for $20 million, which I think could be a steal. Um, and if we can get him for $20 million, I, I, that's a very tradable contract. 
Um, and if he continues to do what he's done these past bunch of seasons, which has improved every single year, I think that makes it even better for his case, right? Um, in his rookie year as a reserve, he averaged three points, one rebound, one assist. The next year, 2018, nine, two, and three. 2019 averaged 11, 3, and 5, and then 2020, again, 18, 4, and 7. So he's improving each and every year in a lot of categories. Um, the volume's going up. The efficiency is either remaining the same or going up, and you know the production is going up. You love that. So you take that into account, his age, his contract, which could be cheap if the Knicks find a way to get him for $20 million, no more. Um, that's good. You know, contenders that are looking for a playmaker on both ends of the floor, somebody who could shoot, pass, defend, and again, has winning experience, that'd be tremendous. You know, the Knicks could likely get some picks in return, you know, some draft capital, maybe some more assets in return if they could find a way to sign Van Vliet for a reasonable contract and then trade him away sometime during his contract here. Um, now on the, on the flip side, you know, there are some things that scare you, um, why this would be a bad deal? Well, I think if you're on that side of things, uh, the number one thing, you know, signing Van Vliet for cheap may prove difficult. If you're Leon Rose, um, it may not be easy to get him for $20 million. You know, the Knicks would likely have to pay, you know, there's a good chance that the Knicks would have to pay a premium for somebody like Van Vliet because they're terrible for one, but also the point guard market is scarce right now, and that's only going to increase his value. Right, you don't have much out there. You have Rondo, you have Dunn, you have Reggie Jackson, Jeff Teague, Michael Carter Williams, um, DJ Augustine, Goran Dragic, who might resign with the Heat anyway. So the market out there is not good. The point guard market is very, very much like the starting pitching market in baseball right now, and those are the two positions that really run the floor, right? Um, so you know you're going to have to offer him a near max or maybe a max, you know. It's going to be about supply and demand. So it might not be worth it. The contract you do give him might not be worth it. You still have to take into consideration that the Knicks want to use some of their cap money to add depth to this unit as well. right? You don't want to make a top-heavy roster. Um, you want to add some more depth because they did a piss-poor job of adding depth last offseason when they went out and signed a bunch of veteran you know, power forwards. Um one thing that Van Vliet, Van Vliet does lack, I would say it's size. You know, he's very small, 6'1", 197. Um, you know, that's led to an abysmal 55% at the rim. Uh, he's also a poor shooter from everywhere else but three-point distance. Um, actually, he was sub-35% inside the arc, obviously excluding the, uh, the RA. Um, so he's not... There's nowhere else on the floor where he really thrives consistently, okay? Um, and, and when you lack the size, and even the athleticism, he has no athleticism that pops out at you, um, especially with an undersized frame. It's a little scary there, right? How can he keep up on a team that might have to use him as one of their primary guys? And that's an issue itself, right? Throwing a role player, Van Vliet was like a third option, on Toronto, sometimes the second option. So throwing a role player into a primary role, potentially, could be dangerous in New York. Um, you know, Van Vliet, surrounded by great and good players with Toronto, now coming to the Knicks, he'll be one of their top scorers, right? And 
It just makes you think of Tim Hardaway Jr. It just makes you think of Julius Randle, right? These are perfect examples of New York Knicks disasters as the number one options when they shouldn't have been, right? These guys were overpaid. Um, these guys just were, were putting in too much of a, too big of a role um, where they just, you know, it was, it just made it too difficult to trade them. You know, the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, hey, look how hard that was to trade. You know, we had to trade Kristaps Porzingis, our franchise guy, just to get rid of Tim's contract. Julius has been in trade rumors since being here, yet he's still here. You know, and these guys leave, you know, Tim Hardaway leaves, rather, and he's, you know, having a career year as a role player on the Mavs. And Julius, before coming here, you know, off the bench with the Pelicans, had a career year. So their roles, when their roles are diminished, they're fucking killing it. So you don't want Van Vliet to be put in a situation just like that, where he comes to the Knicks and now he has to take on a heavier burden and all of a sudden it doesn't pan out. You know, all of a sudden the contract looks worse than it is. He's not improving every year. His numbers are worse. Um, he doesn't have the value he did. And now the Knicks are stuck with another stopgap. So that's the no side. <laughs> but again, I, I can see both sides here when it comes to Van Vliet. Um, he could help these young Knicks grow. Um, he could shoot the ball. He can play make. He could become. He can make this team become more of a competitive product, all while being there for the rebuild at the age of 26 still. So there's a lot of things to consider, man. There's a lot to consider, and you know, quite frankly, I'm still a little bit conflicted when it comes to Fred VanVleet. But if it were to happen, I think for the right price, I would not hate it. For the right price, I would not hate it. Um, yeah, I think that's all we've got to cover for tonight's episode, guys. Um, again, I know I said um, I might keep doing this little Knicks off-season draft talk, part two, three, four, five, six, whatever. So you know, just just uh, stay updated, stay stay on track, and keep following us on social media to see if we're gonna keep doing these, and uh, maybe we'll be make it a fucking you know couple times a week thing. There's no schedule right now, being that we are in the off-season, so don't expect me to. Um, don't expect uh, you know a consistent uh, schedule. Um, these two nights in a row with new episodes is just something I, again, I was bored, so I figured I'd make a new one. But you know, when I do put out episodes, again, it's most likely going to be about the Knicks, and it's going to follow this trend of off-season and draft talk. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Let's head to break one last time, and when we get back, we'll get to the question of the day: the NYY, NYK question of the day be right back i'm on a few different social media platforms today if you want to follow my instagram account follow at rob j carbone if you want to follow my facebook or twitter account follow at ny sports talk rc
All right, so uh, last time out in episode 164 for the NYY NYK question of the day, I asked you guys um, who led the Knicks in steals in the 2019-2020 NBA season. Uh, the answer to that question was Alfred Payton, who led in steals with 70 total steals and also led in steals per game, 1.7. Um <laughs> So that was the answer to, to that question, a rather boring one, but here's a better one. Um, tonight's NYY NYK question of the day, uh, this episode's question is, who was the last team the Knicks defeated in a playoff round? So little hint, you have to go all the way back to 2013, <laughs> but um, who was the team that the Knicks defeated in a playoff round? So let me know the answer to that question on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, preferably Facebook or Instagram these days, being that I'm not on Twitter much today. Um, so, you know, publish, I'm sorry, uh, comment, um, comment on the podcast once I publish the podcast, uh, the answer, or you can just message me the answer as well on those two platforms. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, this is your host, Rob Carbone, with episode 165 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. A little Knicks offseason and draft talk, part two of a little mini-series we might do here going forward. Um, so thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it, and... um hope everybody has a nice day it's tomorrow tomorrow it's supposed to fucking rain again so maybe i'll start working out for a change again Jeez, it's been so long i'm so fucking fat and lazy all right guys thank you so much for tuning in i'll see you next time This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.